0: What the Falk Show. The What the Falk Show is a podcast about all the things you love to think about, be it if you're in school, maybe you're at work, maybe you're in your car driving in a a shitty traffic day in Los Angeles, maybe you just don't want to listen to your boyfriend or girlfriend, maybe you're playing a video game from America. Well, a video game, and uh, you're having a good time playing it, and you're thinking, hey, I kind of need something in the background to listen to to enjoy what I'm doing right now. That's what the What the Falk Show is for. It's on iTunes. It's on SoundCloud. It's on Pod Directory. It's on Facebook. It's on Twitter. It's on all my good friends' phones. I'll I'll make them tell you about it. It's on my Instagram, at Media. The Twitter, at my WTF show. Facebook, my WTF show. What the Falk Show. Now, what the Falk are we doing today? We're talking about one word. The word of the day today on the What the Falk show, the Falcon word is love. Love is the best thing there is, right? And for me, the things that I love are my family, my friends, and, uh, you know, all the things that we talk about on the What the Falk show. And uh, one of those things I love to talk about is the Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders are my favorite team of any sport of any kind, other than, like, USA hockey and soccer and, uh, like, the Olympics. So, next is, it goes, like, USA Olympics and then uh, and then the Raiders and the Lakers and then so forth. So, the Raiders are a big part of my life, um, I thought today we're about 48 hours away from the NFL Ra- for the Raiders to start their first game against the Cincinnati Bengals at home in a whole new era of the Raiders right now. Everyone's got a really positive view on this. And, uh, you know, I don't think you should ever talk about something you don't know about. And I know a lot about this team. And I think maybe we can go preview, not going to take up too much of your time. About 20 to 25 minutes. Talk about some of these players. Talk what you can expect from. I don't want to call myself a cynical fan, but I've been a fan for a long time now. I say since nine years old I've really followed every game of theirs. It's tough. It's an up and down season with the Raiders and any other team. It seems like you really put a lot of love into it, and they give you a lot of heartache. So it's been a lot of heartache for me. Some ups, but mostly a lot of downs for the Raiders. And you know, I'm I, I can't accept yet that they're going to be the best team ever. So I, I I want us together to go through this go through this roster and these matchups. Maybe you and I can decide. Okay, maybe there is more hope than I'm thinking. Because I love this team. I know we're moving in the right direction, but God, it would be nice to be consistently good, right? Wouldn't it be nice to be competitive? So many Raider fans right now that listen, Raider Nation, my brother and my sisters, uh, my family in general, all you guys. I love you guys. Thank you for listening, man. I um you know the Raiders are a, a franchise that brings people together. They really are. That's why I want to start where I started loving the Raiders, and that was at nine years old. All it took was an autobiography about Jim Plunkett. I don't know about Jim Plunkett, two time Super Bowl winning quarterback, former number one pick from Stanford. Uh you know, a lot about Jim Plunkett's life resonated with me. You know, let's start from the beginning. His his, his father was uh, his father was blind, and he sold newspapers, and uh, and he would talk about how his dad would talk about how you know at times it was kind of one of those trust things as human beings that you decide you know this is a person you can't see and you're supposed to pay them. So are you gonna give them the right amount? So really, it's a character thing. You know, like something about football. A lot about football in life is about character decisions. How you're gonna to react to situations, you know. I just thought about the fact that raised the child, being with any kind of disability that he may have had or whatnot. So some strong, some strength of character in this Plunkett family, and it resonated with me because I had, I had grandparents. I grew up with grandparents that were hard of hearing. Um, so something that was part of my life. My first language actually was ASL, American Sign Language. So it's uh, it's something that certainly resonated with me um, of having a protection and being feeling very protective over your family in general, but especially anybody who has to deal with any kind of any kind of disability of any kind, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's something that always, you know, was always a part of me. So. About Jim Plunk going through that as a kid, being stronger because of it, being um, you know that stronger character, being more empathetic, being a nicer human being because of it. He uh, you know he becomes a high draft pick, goes on to Stanford, wins a Heisman. As you know, St- Stanford for me kind of became my favorite college at that point. A lot of quarterbacks that I love went to Stanford. Jim Plunk, and a great quarterback, goes number one to the New England Patriots and doesn't do anything. Has a bad offensive line, gets sacked all day. Kind of breaks his character, not his character, but his strength. You know his belief in himself and a lot of uh, competing sports, especially football, as tough as it is, is your confidence and how far you're willing to go. To to win that game so Jim Plunkett becomes a guy he comes a bust everyone's talking about him you know he's like a, almost like a Ryan Leaf to people if you think about today's standards or I wouldn't say a Jamarcus Russell but maybe like a Blaine Gabbard so these guys that are taken high that just do not you know pan out I don't think they're called busts. I just think it's a hard enough game you never know how a human being is going to react so Jim Plunkett becomes a journeyman he ends up on the Oakland Raiders now this was a team with, um, with Flores at the time first minority head coach that uh needed a leader, right? They needed somebody. But it was at the time in the NFL when you could wait. You know, people didn't come in and start immediately like they do now. Contracts weren't as heavy, so they were really able to to uh, to build people up again. And that's what the Raiders did. Plunkett sat for a year or two before he actually got his shot, and he really needed the coddling and the time with his, his teammates and not so much pressure on him and to really get his strength back. You know, I almost like to like it to think about the hero story with Lion King. You know, Simba gets beaten down, has to go to the other part of the country, meets Timon and Pumbaa, gets his confidence back and realizes that he has a lot to offer. And I think that's the same thing that happened to Jim Plunkett, former Heisen winner, on the Oakland Raiders. Al Davis just picks him up, gives him a chance, kind of breeds him, gives him an opportunity to feel better and to get his confidence back, and that led to two Super Bowls: one against the Eagles, one against the Redskins. And um, right there, just reading the autobiography about him, you know, I'm reading this so I'm nine, so this is like early '90s, and um, well, middle '90s, I guess. And uh, you know, I. I I had his back. I was like, I love this guy. And uh, my father. My father spent some time in Oakland as a kid. He lived there for a while and he would always tell me stories. You know, playing football and sports as a kid, my father always used the Fred Blitnikoff. Any any Raider fan that's listening right now, Fred Blitnikoff is one of the best receivers of all time, number 25 out of Florida State. He's the man. And he his line was, if you can touch it, you can catch it. So he always said that to me every time we played football, if you can touch it, you can catch it. And I really bought into that model and he was right. Because if you can touch it, you should be able to do something, manipulate the ball in some way to pop it up to you or something. It's all about hand control, soft hands. I like Fred Blitnikoff became my favorite receiver correct? So you got that. And then I'm hearing about Kenny Stabler and John Madden, and I'm reading all these things. And I start I start seeking out more autobiographies early as a kid in sports and different media outlets. I want to hear about these people. And I just bought into it all the way. I was 100% a Raider fan. And we didn't have as many good seasons as you would think. You know, We go through a lot of average quarterbacks at that point from uh, Hostetler to um, Marinovich for a little bit, uh, Jeff George, Aaron Brooks, Andrew Walter, Jamarcus Russell, Kerry Collins, God, Rick Meyer, just a lot of terrible quarterbacks that we've had. Is there anybody else that I'm missing? Uh, Well, Matt McGloin, I don't consider Matt McGloin a bad QB. Matt, Matt McGloin is the man you're the man, Matt So We appreciate all the help that you do. So, as you can see, the Raiders had a lot of terrible seasons, actually. And I can go back at the actual records and let you know what they were looking at. I said it was what middle '90s when I started listening. So let's say '94. So '94 we we'll go nine and seven. You know, middle middle of the pack. That's when the last year's LA Raiders, and then they we'll go eight and eight the next year. That's '95, '96, seven and nine, '97 four and twelve, and then this is the year 1998 where we get this guy. His name is John Gruden, but just a great player's coach. Really knew how to deal with people. He's a great communicator, as you can see now in the John Gruden ESPN and QB boot camps or whatever. Whatever. definitely knew how to lead men. And uh, so the first season with John, we go 8-8. Eight and eight. Next season, 8-8. Eight and eight. That's 1999. 2000, 12-4. That's the loss to the, let's remember, the Ravens when uh, they won the Super Bowl against the Giants. We lost to the Ravens, and Rich Gannon went out in the third quarter. That really helped that ruin that game. And uh, Jamal Lewis just really ran for out there. As you know, Ray Lewis won the NFL MVP, and ended up becoming one of all-time great. So that's a, already a year there that the Raiders were one thing away. I think they totally could have beat the Giants that season. So... 2001 NFL Oakland Raiders, 10-6, and six, lost a divisional title, and that is probably one of the worst days of my life. That's the tuck rule with the New England Patriots. So uh, any Raider fan listening right now or Patriot fan is going to s- smile or, or be pissed off by listening to this. So the tuck rule is just a bad time. Obviously, the refs just absolutely ruined that call, and they've admitted that now in many different documentaries and readings that you can find online. You know, there's some up and downs already as a kid. You know, at that point, I'm only – I think I'm in junior high, and I'm, I'm yelling at the TV over a sport – and I'm realizing how much I care about this team, and I already start feeling how most Raiders fans feel. like they're out to get us, you know? They're, they 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 uh, they don't want us to do good, and I actually bought into that. I love that. I was like, okay, it's us, against you, man. Falk you. We don't need you on the What the Falk show. Again, this is the What the Falk show. I'm Connor Fox. Do a little plug right now. That's Twitter.com/mywtfshow, Facebook.com/mywtfshow, at Fox Media on Instagram. You can find the show on iTunes, SoundCloud. And uh, pod directory. So going on with the Raiders, you know, we lose into, um, obviously, the Patriots. They go in, they start their dynasty, and, you know, future flake it or whatever, Tom Brady, whatever, dude. Next, 2002, that might be the second worst day in my life. Have a great season. Callahan takes over as offensive coordinator. Gruden goes to Tampa Bay. We basically trade him Tampa Bay. And who else we play in the Super Bowl? Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, they know all our plays, so the whole playbook. So, uh, you know, obviously, it was a destruction. That was a bad game for all of us. Actually, at Chipotle, my first t- day that day, it was like 2002. I didn't have Chipotle until like two thousand thirteen because I had I hated Chipotle because I had it on that day that we lost so badly to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So and all these new Buccaneers fans that you obviously, you know, started getting talking talking crap about the Raiders for the next few years. So that was a little annoying. But anyways, you know, and then then and then started the really the blackout and the black hole that has in a bad way that has been the Raiders franchise recently. So you go from that season to four and twelve, five and eleven, four and twelve, two and fourteen. Four and twelve, five and eleven, five and eleven, eight and eight, eight and eight, four and twelve, four and twelve, three and thirteen. So we certainly had better seasons than that. So um, it's it's been a tough time for the Raiders, and I think the problem has been drafting. You know, unfortunately, Al Davis, the man, you know, going to Al a little bit was a coach, coached the USC, coached the Chargers. I think it's his job, with the Raiders ends up becoming the GM and overall owner of the team. Pretty impressive. He did everything. Very American. True story. A great football mind. But as he got older, he did get taken advantage of, be it in trades. He would forget. You know, you get older, it's just harder to concentrate on things. So uh, eventually, eventually, as anything does, you either live long enough to become the... You live long enough to become the... What is it? You die the hero you live long enough to become the villain for any uh, Dark Knight fan out there. And that's certainly what happened to him. So um, Al Davis, great football mind. One of the founders of the NFL. Certainly somebody that I have a lot of respect for. I think anybody makes mistakes, and he certainly made some. And that's why we had, that's why we had a lot of bad season. We didn't have any roster talent. Now we get to this point, we do have some roster talent. And that's where we're going to get to the Raiders section right now. The What the Folk Show. We're going to go position by position, kind of give you some idea of who these guys are and who is actually worth Pete on the team to me, and who is who is uh, hopefully going to outplay their expectations. You know, first is special teams. Let's go with, uh, you know, we got Marquette King, one of the most talented punters out there. Really, a good example of how the Raiders are able to find somebody. That uh, that was worth a look from a small school. So, Marquette King, one of the best punters out there, had the highest punt average of uh of the preseason at least. So from Fort Valley State. Now, kicker is obviously Janny, Sebastian Janikowski. He's one of my favorite Raiders. He will someday have his name up in the um in a stadium, be it in Los Angeles or uh, Oakland. Wink, wink. And uh, you know, all time leader in points already. First round pick is a kicker. Al Davis got so much shit for that. And look how good Janikowski is. He really is a weapon. He really is one of a kind as a kicker. So when it comes to Janikowski, I think he has a bounce back here. If you're in fantasy or daily fantasy leagues, because of the offense is going to be good enough to at least get a few first downs, Janikowski becomes an instant like top 10 kicker again as he has been his whole career. You know, you're know, going to get a lot of 50-yard kicks, too, because he's just awesome. So the secondary is actually one of the better in the league. Next, uh, no, sorry, the special teams. Next, let's go with uh, secondary. Now, that's probably our weakest position, unfortunately and it's just because uh you know free agent wise drafting guys that haven't haven't exactly panned out one of those guys would be dj hayden obviously number 12 pick um in that draft i really had a hard time because you know we traded back from three coming out of houston had the heart surgery so you certainly appreciate a guy who has the character to come back from a a life trauma like that but really has not had the uh hasn't been able to stay healthy and his ball skills have not been what we expected so dj hayden i wouldn't call him a bust but he's definitely been a disappointment from the number 12 pick he's currently the number two so that shows with TJ Carey, a rookie out of Ohio last season, came in really played well. Also returns punts. TJ Carey is one of those guys that we really we're lucky to have, and we really hope that he kind of pans out. I actually have a lot of I have a lot of hope and belief that TJ Carey will be one of those guys who does pan out. And I think uh, I think he's certainly someone to watch this season, as our as our number one already, as a number the first season. So there could be a lot of ups and downs for him. He's gonna be playing some pretty talented receivers like this week. You know, we got uh, AJ Green this first week. Um, but I think he's going to be able to take advantage of maybe some of the ups and downs and use those to be a better player. So by next season, T.J. Carey could be one of the better cornerbacks, maybe a top 14 quarterback in the league, which is obviously looking up for us. Next you have Keith McGill playing in the slot, another second-year guy out of Utah. We had a great draft last season, a big guy, and um, with that size, you really can't coach that. So six three two eleven out of Utah. This guy is only 26 years old. He He's really improved a lot. You've heard in camp and practice, he's become a much better player, a man-on-man kind of guy. So we're just trying to get his ball skills up to there again and uh, his footwork just get consistent footwork and really be able to not to use as much speed, but to be so technically sound, you can kind of outplay these guys. So later in the game, you don't really get beat. So uh, Keith McGill is certainly a player I think you should look at. I, th- I hope My hope is that he overtakes DJ Hidden during the season, becomes the number two. And um, you know, by next season, we don't have to sign DJ Hayden to the fifth-year option, and Keith McGill, two guys from last year's draft class, which has turned out to be amazing, um, continue to uh, uh, to contribute to this team. Next, we have uh, who's next? Let's look at it. Nico Thorpe, yeah, third-year guy. He was on the uh, the Chiefs the season before before he was with us. Last season before he was with the Chiefs, out of Auburn, pretty talented. I I think we're doing better that he is now our slot guy instead of starter. I think that helps for everyone. So. As you can see, um, not too much belief or talent in the secondary here. I think the Raiders can do better. This is probably our weakest position. So we went from the best with the special teams. Now we're going to the secondary. Next, uh, receivers tight ends. Receivers is young, hungry. I think we're actually looking up with that. We got Andre Holmes, big guy, um, on the injury report. But uh, out of Hillsdale, 6'4". Went in the same draft as Jared Valde here. Now he ends up Raiders, so we kind of switch them out. Two guys from Hillsdale, kind of switch them out. Andre Holmes is a talented receiver, big play guy. He's probably going to be our number four receiver. Next, I would say Bryce Butler. No, Andre Holmes would be number five. Number four would be Bryce Butler. Look, Another talented guy out of USC, um, San Diego State. Started at USC, then ended at San Diego State. A California guy. Has a great rapport with Derek Carr. I mean, goes to Derek Carr camp in Bakersfield, California. My hometown as well. <clears throat> Bryce Butler is certainly a guy that as our number four receiver, I think puts us in a in a in a very talented spot. Next is Seth Roberts, who I think actually undrafted guy who I think wins the number two job. Talented player, 6'2, 195, so kind of on a smaller size, weight wise, but a big, big target. West Alabama. This guy is impressive. He's looked very good in the preseason. He has sticky hands. I think he's somebody that's going to be able to make some make some noise, which really it does bodes well for the offense in general. And uh, next you have uh, Michael Crabtree former top 10 pick, you know, Texas Tech, Litnikoff winner, um, didn't exactly pan out to what you wanted in San Francisco. I think the problem is that his top end speed is not what everyone expected. So he really is a positional player in terms of possession. So uh, curls, hook routes, slants to the outside, um, goal line stands. see, he has use as a number two receiver. I think he's a talented player. I think we upgraded that position. Michael Crabtree, in 16-man leagues, 14-man leagues could be could become someone you want to pay attention to in fantasy. Number one is is a guy that I'm just so excited. We took first-round pick, number four pick, Amari Cooper, the best player in the draft in my opinion. Like the next Chris Carter in terms of his route running ability, is just extremely consistent and amazing. And his uh, his hands, his hands are sticky. He's consistent, soft hands. He has everything I want a receiver. Doesn't talk shit. He doesn't he doesn't fuck around. You know, he's uh, he's there to play. And I think he's going to be, I hope he's a for a long time. I think he will be. I think he, in even 10 team leagues, could be a viable flex. And this week, he's going into secondary with Leon Hall, that's uh, limited in practice. He's got a lot of young guys that have been out, uh, Denard as well with Cincinnati. So, uh, Mark Cooper could have a big first game. So we'll see. I think the receivers are definitely looking up. We've definitely improved this season on receivers over last season. So that's something to look forward to. Next is uh, linebackers. Linebackers, I don't know. Um, you know Ken Norton Jr. coming in. Jack Del Rio is the head coach, former uh, USC player, my uh, Minnesota Vikings, Baltimore Ravens assistant, ends up as a coach in Jacksonville. as a really tough team. You know, always going 8-8, eight eight. good running game, tough team. Spin has been through the trenches, especially with a franchise like Jacksonville. There's not, not a lot of advantages, so he's coming over here after being a D coordinator in Denver. He's, uh, I think, he's a good choice, and I think he's going to be a good, good coach for us. I think uh, we're definitely heading the right direction, especially with the fact of the kind of staff he was able to assemble. Ken Norton Jr., Super Bowl winner, former linebacker from the, the Niners, the Cowboys, uh, was an all-time Pro Bowler, coached with the USC Trojans for the Pete Carroll era. So he has a lot of pedigree, a lot of successful years for Ken Norton in the National Football League. He comes in our D quarter brings a fire with him and he's brought a couple linebackers with him Malcolm Smith um a player that I think is you know Super Bowl MVP obviously I don't think he would start on Seattle he didn't really start that much he just kind of came in so on that team he wasn't good enough on our team, he's good enough to start you know quotes that I've heard from uh Ken Norton Jr. are things like he's always around the ball in good opportunities. So when the ball's coming out, something's happening. Malcolm Smith is usually around it. So you want luck. You want luck as a, for your players. You know, if he just happens to work out, Malcolm Smith's on the field, he brings the team good luck. Then play him. So uh, I think I can understand the decision to release Co. More when you got a guy like Malcolm Smith. Next is uh, Ben Heaney, a rookie guy who looks really good out of Kansas, consistent tackler. Going to stay a backup for right now, but he might be able to make his way at least as a consistent. You know, coming in during the during the game and things like that. Probably already a step up over a fan favorite, Miles Burris out of San Diego State, who was a Raider for a few years. Hope you do well, Miles. Um, wherever you go. Next is Curtis Lofton, former Oklahoma Sooner, Atlanta Falcon, New Orleans Saints. Cesaro is, is consistent, always has over 100 tackles. Maybe a little bit older, might have overpaid a little bit, but I think we overpaid because we're looking for a guy with character. He knows how to lead a locker room. Guys listen to him. You need that on the defense. These guys are very aggressive. So Curtis Lofton becomes a guy that, that really can help this defense. And because of that, I think he really already upgrades our defense, our linebacker so far from last season. Next is Ray-Ray Armstrong. I'm not the biggest fan of Ray-Ray. Um I've done the Ravens before he came to us last season out of Miami, Florida. He's big, but um he also gets in he's, he's not a he's not using his brain as much as he should, I'm just being honest. He he gets too caught up in the game, which I think is something he's going to have to work on like any player, anybody in general. And um the coaching staff likes him. I think his pass rushing ability is something that people are really looking forward to, especially the coaching staff. I think they can bring him in, almost have him rush behind um, Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack gets the double team. You got Ray Ray to be able to take somebody down. So he has talent. But we got a guy that I think is already better, and that's Alden Smith. Out of the San Francisco 49ers, recently suspended, you know, suspended last season, Got had, had some misdemeanors, had a lot of different issues, definitely got in trouble with the loss, should have been smart and used his brain more as well. Got released by the Niners, and now he's a, now he's a Raider. He's definitely already a top, 20 talent in terms of just the physical makeup of this guy just you know, coming out of Missouri, going, had, had over 20 sacks and a few, 30 sacks and over his career already. And, um, you know, if he kept that up, he would already been an all-timer. He definitely would have been in a Hall of Fame statistical category. So we'll see if he can keep his head on straight. we got some good defenders. You know, I'll go to those guys. We said Cleo Mack in linebacking court, but going to the D-line is where I think he's going to get some get some real mentorship. And that's what the guy that he already does train with, apparently, during the offseason. That's Justin Tuck, his second year. They f- didn't have a bad season last year, but he comes in a great leader. And I think now with the team we have, I really think Justin Tuck is going to be able to cause some havoc. And the backfield so with Khalil Mack, Justin Tuck, Curtis Lofton, Ben Heaney, Malcolm Smith I think you're looking at a pretty good team already and I haven't even got to Dan Williams yet a great addition free agent guy got him for about four years 25 million I believe just a run stuffer Gets in the middle there. you know. Reminds me of a Ted Washington, for anybody who remembers those days. Almost like a poor man, Saloti Nada. So a guy who really just plugs the middle, takes blockers with him, and really makes the job easier for linebackers, for defensive ends. So that's really going to bode well for those guys like Alden Smith and Khalil Mack. That's why you get Dan Williams. Great pickup by Ridgey McKenzie. Someone that he um, certainly should give some credit for being able to get. Uh, Under the radar, good free agent pickup. Next is Justin Ellis. Jelly... Is, uh as, as, as the people call him, is a great player. He's another good run stuffer, another talented defensive tackle that we have on the team. And I could say that we're lucky to have another guy like that. And next is Benson Mayowa, another guy who came over last season, actually from Seattle. Really talented guy, and um I just, uh, he's going to be out this game, which is going to be too bad, but overall, he's got some serious talent. 6'3", 252 out of Idaho, um, number 95. Every time I see him in the game, he's causing havoc. He's very aggressive. He's, he's, he's making it hard for the offensive tackle. You can see. He, he sticks out on, on tape. You know, a lot of these guys, you want to know who's good. You see who sticks out on tape who really you're like wow this guy i can see that he's always beating this guy who beats their guy it's, it's a man-on-man that's how the nfl works is you versus the other guy you know, there's 11 of you. There's 11 different battles going on to try to win one game. Everyone does their job in a team effort. And whoever comes on top is a team that plays in the most unified manner. So that's our defensive the defensive line and defense in general. Definitely upgraded from last season. Look at Cleo Mack to be one of the best players in the league. Let's hope Ray, Ray, Ray Armstrong can be able to step in because you know we can't think that Allen Smith is going to play every game. I hope that Ben Heaney really gets a chance to come into his own and I hope that Jelly Gets a lot of chances to spell Dan Williams, really gets to come and play. Next would be the running backs. Kind of weak position for us. Latavius Murray, third-year player out of South University, Central Florida. Was injured his whole first year. Big guy, you know, 6'3", 6'4". Really is able to get in the hole. Reminds me kind of an Eddie George, you know, best case scenario. You're kind of thinking that way. So got a concussion last season. Only after like four carries. Had a great game against Kansas City, but got a concussion. And um, it's got to stay healthy. You got to try to avoid getting concussions as a running back because you're, you're the guy that's going to be getting hit most. So could have a breakout year. Someone is starting to look at, but uh, it's got to stay healthy. Latavius Murray, you probably took him in your fifth fifth or sixth rounds. If you got him in the seventh, what a what a fucking deal that was. Um, so a player to definitely look at. We got a pretty favorable schedule this this season against running defenses. So, Latavius Murray is uh, is that starting running back as of right now. Roy Hallou, former Nebraska Cornhusker, played on the Redskins for a lot of seasons. He uh, he's getting his chance to be a number two, but really going to get more opportunities I think than he did in, in Washington. Um, a great receiving back. I've always been a fan of his. He's always that handcuff for me that you want to pick up. He could still have a good season because in that shotgun offense, the Raiders going to be playing. They're really going to the Fresno State that Fresno State offense that Derek Carr came from, which is five wide, four wide. You know, a lot of shotgun, a lot of quick quick passes, and, and, and yak yards after the catch. Um, Roy Hulu is a great receiver out of the backfield, so he's certainly going to get a lot of opportunities. Someone to look at in deep, deep PPR leagues and maybe a, a random flex play in uh, daily fantasy league because it is PPR. Next offensive line, definitely upgraded from last season. Let's go left to right. Donald Penn is a starter, great player, You know, kind of on the end of his career, but still has a lot to offer us Raiders. Left guard, um, another great guy from last season. Maybe he ends up being the best player from last season. Well, not Khalil Mack. He's not going to be Khalil Mack, but that's Gabe Jackson, number 66, um, out of Mississippi. Just, it's going to be a perennial Pro Bowler. Just a big guy who knows how to block. He's just a great football player. Great pick by us. Center is Rodney Hudson, the, uh, the uh, free agent signing from Kansas City. He's now the highest paid center in the league. I think that's certainly something that. He's going to have to earn in my eyes. I mean, I think he's a great player, but he's also had some false start penalties. He's made some mistakes this last offseason, this preseason. So I would like to see him earn that money. I hope he can make a great relationship with Derek Carr because they can be best buds. You know, something like uh, Jeff Saturday and and Peyton Manning, you know, Sean O'Hara and Eli Manning. Center quarterback relationship is very important. So I'm really hoping that Ronnie Hudson is a guy that can help us out. Right guard is going to be um, Jamarcus Webb offensive lineman at West Texas A&M. Actually started his first two years a lot um, under Mike Tice for the, um, the Bears. Mike Tice was an offensive coordinator. So uh, a former starter, 6'7", so really big for guard standards. Coming back with Mike Tice right now. He's actually outplayed anybody else in camp at the guard position, be it Tony Bergstrom or uh, John Feliciano, which was disappointing. We wanted the rookie out of Miami to really make his make his way in there, but he didn't. So Jamarcus Webb coming in, a big body, man. So going to be somebody to run behind. He going to be the starting guard, and I'm looking up for him. So far, left to right, I don't have any issues. Right tackle is where I'm worried. That's Austin Howard, who's coming in right now for Menelik Watson. Austin Howard's getting paid five to $6 a year. We paid him last season, in the offseason. Wasn't a good pick for us. To be the starting left to left to right tackle, Austin's really got to step up and earn his money. That's the one caveat that I'm worried about on that offensive line is Austin Howard at the right tackle position. So uh come on, man. I'm I'm pulling for you. Um next let's go with the uh the quarterback position. It's uh it's one of wonder because we think about Derek Carr and we hope that he's gonna be as good as everyone thinks. From Fresno State from Bakersfield, California. I, I love the guy's character, a great leader, just seems like a great human being in general. Somebody you'd wanna, you know, hang out with, somebody you would invite you'd play have in your fantasy league or invite to a Christmas party. So seems like a really good dude. Um at times he looks like a great quarterback on the field, at other times he doesn't. He looks a little too gun shy. I see him a lot of seven-yard passes, I see a lot of check downs, and that uh that worries me. You know, if we're gonna be a consistent offense, we need guys who can take it down the field who don't mind risks. Sometimes quarterbacks gotta believe that he could fit it in that window more than anybody else. You know, you don't want to be too bred far, but you certainly need some bread far. This is the What the Falk Show. Speaking of Red Favre, somebody who's very American, the What the Falk Show is an American podcast bringing you things about sports, movies, food, podcasts, and to talk about teams. Today's the preview of the Raiders. Our running game is going to have to do well for our passing game to do anything, for our team to really do anything in general. So if Latavius Murray can really, you know, get like four to five yards average carry, then um, we're going to have a talented offense. And I think if we do do that, you're going to see us going from seven and nine. That's what I expect. Eight and eight would really just be a dream. But seven and nine to me is realistic because I look at the teams that we're going to be playing a winnable game is week one against the Bengals. I'm taking the Raiders over the Bengals. Um, the Browns in week three or four, I believe. We're playing the Browns. I think we can beat them. I think we can beat the Bears. We're playing the Jets. We can beat them. We're playing at Tennessee, I think we beat the Titans. And I think we can always win that Chargers game week 15 or 16, you know, in Oakland. I feel like we always win that game. In San Diego as well. I mean, those are those are Raider home games if you think about it. I've been to a lot of those. And um, we always have good luck in, with, against the Chargers recently. So I think those are all winnable games. And we're also playing the Vikings. So I think that's what gets us to 7-9. and nine. I think we beat the Vikings. And uh, I think we, you know, 6-10, and 7-9 makes the most sense. But we're already moving up. We already got a more talented team. You have two good draft classes, of guys. Look at Ben Heaney. I mean, a fourth rounder already coming in. Looks like a starter. Amari Cooper looks like one of the best players out there. Just hoping that these guys can pan out and really make for a, an up in the Raiders franchise, man. As I said, there's a lot of dark years. This is what the Falk show. I've been a Raider fan for a long time, and I'm just hoping for some hope. I'm hoping for uh, the look of a team that belongs there, that looks like they're in the National Football League and not the Canadian League. I love the Raiders. I love Raider fans. You guys are my family, and I appreciate you listening to this. This is the What The Falk Show. This is the Raider preview. Really going player by player and just kind of telling you who's on the team. Well, thanks for listening. This is the What The Falk Show. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook.com, my WTF show, Twitter.com, MyWTFShow, my parents' phone, and hopefully in your hearts. Thanks for listening.